You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. What's up, Browns fans? Welcome to episode 13 of the Dogs Podcast. Let's kick this thing off. Welcome to the Dogs Podcast with your host, Blake Reniker, Zach Kopp, Justin Charles, and Josh All. Hey, how's everybody doing today? Uh, happy to be back in the studio. Uh, episode 13, we're starting to climb up there. Before you know it, we're not going to be seeing uh, saying episode numbers anymore at the beginning. We're just going to be welcome back. Just flying, man. We're yeah, just spitting these things out. It really is crazy. That's 13 weeks. Of, so what, three months yeah. that we've been doing this? It doesn't feel like it's been three months. It's been a whirlwind of emotions for me, man. Huh. The highs and the lows <laughs> of the podcast <laughs> <Yes>. life. <laughs> well, and all the physical changes of the studio. Yeah. And I mean, yep. I went from a laid off peasant. I'm back at work. Peasant still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, so it's just been, it's been a crazy three months. Um, before we get into this episode, I want to remind everybody, if you're watching on YouTube, please click that subscribe button. Uh, we're trying to get to 100 subscribers. You can check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Handles are at the top of the screen. Um, also, want to give another shout out Percy Gardner's podcast, 99 Miles Per Hour with Percy Gardner. Um, he's really starting to get some big time guests on his show. Uh, I think this next episode coming out, he's going to have a pitching coach that he had when he was uh, for the Indians. And I don't want to spoil anything for him, but just be on the lookout. He might be having you know some you know current mlb players on there at some point um that's a real possibility so give his show a look it's super entertaining it's super fun and uh, he's on our network and it's fun to support him i watch it every week so you guys should check it out um all right well let's move into some league news let's go around the nfl before we dive into the episode uh, i don't know if you guys saw this tom pelicero uh nfl reporter tweeting out the nfl pa came out and said only 56 players have tested positive for COVID so far since the start of training camp. That's only 2% of the 2,600 players on active rosters and well under a 1% positivity rate in terms of total tests administered. I, To me, that just screams we're going to have an NFL season, especially considering, I don't know about you guys, but first, like, all the false positives in the NFL, then our own governor had a false <laughs> yeah. positive. Yeah. So Let's I really, uh, I don't know. Like, I don't want to get too crazy on the show, but I really... 
I think there's going to be an NFL like no doubt about it. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, no uh, big name Browns players opting out. I know yeah, we're, thin on, we're thin on the offensive line now. A little bit. Yeah, Forbes. what do we have? Yeah, Forbes. Four, uh, four guys on the O-line. Yeah, so and we might need to get Billings, some help in there. Billings on the defensive line just But this no week. starters. No starters. Which call And call me crazy, the Jets released that guy. What was that guy's name? Oh, you're right. I'll look it up. Go ahead. Um, so I they released their starting right guard, and turns out, what's his name? Um, Brian Winters. Mm-hmm. Okay, now I don't know much about this guy, but he started – that's more experience than we have on our roster, that, that position. The only hole maybe on our entire team. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Maybe if he's any decent, I'd give him a look. At least see see what he has to offer. That's our that's the one hole in our line right now is right guard. Mm-hmm. Unless you're really high on, uh, what's his name, Wyatt Teller? Wyatt Teller, mm-hmm. yeah. So. Yeah, I, I think that we need to go out and try to get somebody because of the no preseason and we're just trying to like, hey, well, one of these guys is going to have to be the starter mm-hmm. where we could go get a guy that was a starter. Yeah. Man, how weird is we- week one's going to look? <clears throat> yeah, it's going to be strange, man. No, no preseason. We don't get to see these guys ahead of time for any team. I, man. And then one <laughs> opponent just to roll out week yeah. one, just, hey, you know, <laughs> the team that's going to go 16 and 0 yeah. and just destroy the league. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I feel like we're, I feel like people are getting a little crazy on that. Nobody ever gets predicted to go sixteen and zero. They're always like, "Oh, they're going to lose a game somewhere." I mean, come on. Well, they're just getting their. If you look at their schedule, they're favored in every game. There's not one game on there that I mean, there's games obviously where you're like, "Oh, you know that team could beat this team," but they're favored in literally every single game. Well, it's just like no team's ever favored to go zero and sixteen. So, hmm. wait a minute. It can be done. It can be done. I've seen it happen live on TV. Yeah, you tried to do it twice. Yeah. 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 Give it a hell of a shot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Definitely other Browns news. Uh, Jarvis was activated off the pup list yep. along with a couple others. Uh, so, what do you guys think about? I, I've been hearing a lot of the the talk about Kareem Hunt being like the slot receiver or like a, a the number three receiver on the team. <laughs> the guy's scary athletic. Yeah, I'm, hey, I'm, I'm one okay of those. Yeah, I'm one of those guys that like I want my best. I'd want my best players on the field as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And if Kareem Hunt's sitting over on the bench for 50, 60 percent of the plays because he's only being used as a running back. I feel like we're not utilizing him to his full capability. Yeah, but so as good as Kareem Hunt is in, uh, in as athletic as he is, is he a better receiver than Rashard Higgins? Rashard Higgins, right? He sure thought so. Yeah, well, and we saw what that got him. He's a tight ends coach now. That's my, you know, I'm not going to argue. Kareem Hunt is probably like an all around better football player than Rashard Higgins, but at the receiver position. Richard Higgins is probably faster. You know, it depends on what kind of routes they're asking him to run, right? If, if they're asking him to run, you know, the route tree like a receiver, you're going to want Higgins doing that. But if you're operating in the middle, trying to size up linebackers and take advantage of the slower speed in that area, I think Kareem Hunt could be that guy. Yep. So I just agreed. I don't want to like force him onto the field. No, but if you can tell him we're going to get you the ball five yards past the line of scrimmage and then, then you'd be a running back at that point. That's pretty sweet because mm-hmm. that dude can do it. And in an open field, yes, he is scary. Yeah, he is very, very dangerous. You can make the argument way more dangerous than Rashard Higgins. But yeah, I mean, you take a if you take a look. If we're going to run a two tight end set, I, I don't think we're going. 
I think the Browns are going to be a lot of two wide receiver mm-hmm. sets this year with multiple tight ends on the field, mm-hmm. running a fullback and a running back. Uh, I I'm I was a fan of last year having Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb in the backfield yeah. because as a defense, who are you keying on? Yeah, because you don't know which one's getting the ball. So that was always something that I mean I didn't I don't understand why we didn't run more of that because it was successful almost every time we put it that play out on the field. So yeah, and I like that too because. You know, yeah, okay, Hunt's the guy that you got to worry about catching the ball out of the backfield, but Nick Chubb's no slouch right. catching the ball. I mean, that dude's athletic, and he can catch the ball. So it's, it's a pretty nice double-edged sword there. I'll be really interested to see how Stefanski utilizes all this talent. I feel like, in, you know, Minnesota was obviously good, but he had a clear number one running back. He had, you know, his clear number one tight end. You know, he's got – I think he's got more talent on the Browns than he had on the Vikings, clearly. So it'll be very interesting to see how he utilizes all that talent and how he gets everybody the ball, keeps everybody happy, keeps defenses guessing. Yeah. I, I'm just it kind of sucks that there's no preseason to to warm us up to this. The first time we're going to get to see if his system is what we think it's going to be is going to be week one against you know one of the best teams in football. I just hope it's not like last year. You know, we we watched Freddie the, the the first year when he was the OC and and it was like wow this guy can put together some some stuff. Then he was the head coach and yeah. it was like. What what happened? Like, did he forget everything? Did he just try to get too cute? I think if you remember Freddie from his uh, offensive coordinator days, it, we were very gimmicky, but it caught people off guard because, you know, nobody knew who he was. And then he became the head coach, and you realized all he was was like smoke and mirrors. There yeah. was no substance to anything he did. And once people figured it out that he was like – trying to outsmart everybody to the point that he was just an idiot that it just became vanilla it was so obvious we were going to be in you know shotgun putting our tackles on an island basically if you can just beat our tackles which anybody could beat our tackles you're going to be able to beat us yeah it was uh go deep or go home so every week we just went home (laughs) yeah Yeah. with a loss yep (laughs) but well uh speaking of seeing some of our players earlier i don't know if you guys also got to see this but we finally got to see some of our browns players in their new uniforms, yep. and I think they look awesome. They look so much better, like, in person and good pictures, not just, like, the renderings or, you know, like, the the distant pictures we were seeing when we did our uh, mm-hmm. our uniform episode. That Those brown uniforms look awesome. Yeah. I want a brown one so bad. I know I do, too. And Yeah, you're right. It's so different than seeing just the, the generic model guy, right, wearing mm-hmm. the 20 jersey. You uh-huh. know, it's now you're seeing Baker and, and Garrett and Odell, and it's like, wow. These jerseys, I mean, it takes you back. I mean, it's traditional, but it's got just enough modern edge to mm-hmm. the design that takes you back sweet. to the good old days of three and thirteen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, no, but the, I, I think they look awesome. I I'm getting myself one of those brown, the brown ones. This is the first time I've ever been like really pumped about brown, but mm-hmm. it just I think it pops. It looks sweet. Yeah, they, I'm just so glad they got rid of the the last attempt. Just didn't work. It's kind of crazy too, because uh, OBJ, if you guys remember his like big uh, jersey unboxing or whatever, and he was just kind of like, Ugh, uh, "Oh, hey, that one's orange, whatever." Just <laughs> toss him aside. He put up on the gram, you know, some pictures and stuff. And he looks sweet. They yeah. do. They look, the brown one looks crazy, mm-hmm. crazy good. And I don't want to, you know, I'm just so happy that Baker looks like a quarterback again this year. Yeah, he doesn't look homeless. <laughs> he got he got like a haircut, got a real job. You know, he's trim again. Like I don't know. I'm just so pumped about this season, just based on like little things like that. Not even the fact that I think we got a good head coach and stuff like that. Now, 
I think the last year was important for a guy, especially a guy like Baker. You know, when you go out and you just get steamrolled for 16 games and you're the kind of guy that Baker is and, I mean, he's got that, that high motor and he's so competitive and he's a winner to get beat down like that's if you don't bounce back from that, then I got to question that whole narrative. Yeah. Yeah. Big slice of humble pie. Zach knows what I'm talking about. He's, yep. I don't think he's Zach ever saw guy. that uh, Baker yep. in Oklahoma. I don't think ever think. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's no, rolling people. I, I think that uh, Baker has a lot to prove coming into this year because if they come out and they, I, I, and I've said this on earlier episodes, if they come out and they flop in the first four or five weeks, people are going to be calling for Case Keenum. I mean, mm-hmm. I know that we're saying, oh, you know that we brought him in for a backup. We've had this conversation. But if things aren't going right, it, it'll be a short, shorter leash than what, yeah. you know, a lot of the experts and everybody think just because of how Cleveland is. I don't even think it'll be a fan thing. I'm more thinking it'll be a Stefanski like, well, pay my job's on the line. I've seen too many of these coaches come in. Get one year. One year. Mm-hmm. I, the Get only, eight games. My biggest fear for this year coming up is there's so many mouths to feed on offense. That's so much pressure on Baker. But like we've said, he's uh, that kind of guy that thrives on that. To me, too, I, I think as long as we're winning, people will be happy. Yeah. You know. Winning fixes everything. Yeah. It's so, secure. Well, hey, you know, speaking on some of, you know, we were talking about Freddie and stuff. That brings us to the point of today's episode. Um, we were kind of, you know, trying to think of ideas for the episode, what we wanted to do. And we recalled some of our former episodes, you know, getting into some heated arguments about who was the better coach. Uh, so we thought, man, why don't we rank our coaches from the last 10 years? We've had a million of them, so <laughs> we can, you know, we can do this. Imagine if you're the Steelers trying to do this. Yeah, we can like, basically do March Madness with this. Yeah. yeah. So... Um, and then, you know, we were going to go through and just have everybody rank the, you know, their coaches one through seven in the last 10 years. And then I had the idea, I was like, let's do a tournament to the death. So <laughs> tournament uh, to unemployment. Yeah. So what we did was, is we made a bracket and in order to seed these guys, we didn't want to argue about seeding because you know, that, that kind of defeats the point of the episode. So we thought the most fair way to seed these guys was based on win percentage. Which I'm going to tell you right now, none of these guys had good win percentages. Um, so I'll give you, you know, we had seven head coaches in the last 10 years, which is embarrassing. Yeah. Um, and we seeded them as follows. Yeah, the number one seed with a first round bye is Greg Williams. <laughs> He's the only person over 500, a 625 yep. winning percentage. And I almost excluded him because he only coached eight games, but he won more games in eight games, and Hugh Jackson did in three seasons. <laughs> yeah. So, so he counts. Uh, in a half season. Yeah. yeah. So Greg Williams is uh, the number one seed. And because of the ineptitude of all of our head coaches and the fact that this guy only got one season and he got a season with tons of talent, the number two seed is actually Freddie Kitchens with a 375 winning percentage. Um, so I guess that's what, actually 37.5%. So, <laughs> you know, not very good. Um, coming in the three seeds, Mike Patton, 313%, or not 313, 31%. Uh, Eric Mangini was 31.2% with the five seeds, so they were actually very close. Um, Pat Shermer with an even 300. Uh, he's, you know, going to the Hall of Fame in baseball with the five seed. <laughs> right. uh, uh, Chudzinski, Rob Chudzinski, the two, uh, 250. And then our boy Hugh, a .088. <laughs> 
Yeah. It. With all your ha 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 <laughs> <laughs> because of how bad that was. So, <clears throat> yeah. Does that, anybody else need a barf bag? Yeah. Uh, that's our yeah. coaches, guys. That's yep, our yep. coaches in the last 10 years. Um, nobody above 375. And the 375 was Freddie. If you take Freddie out of that with his one season in which we had, you know, Pro Bowl talent everywhere, the highest guy is Mike Pettin with a 31% win percentage. You know what's sad is even if Freddie Kitchens had the crap talent that Hugh Jackson had, he still couldn't have done much worse. No. No. And it makes, you can make the argument too that maybe some of these other guys, imagine like a Mangini or even a, <laughs> I, I hate to say like a Pat Sherber with the coach, like the staffing and then like the talent that was there last year. Imagine what some of these guys could have done. Well, I mean, we won't get to do that because they're all like, you know, special teams assistants <laughs> yeah. for Boston College and stuff like that. Uh, so nationwide insurance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay. So, uh, like I said, Greg Williams gets the first round by. So that actually brings up the first matchup we're going to talk about here is the four versus five seeds. Um, Eric Mangini versus Pat Shermer. Um you know, Eric Mangini coached in 2009 and 2010. Uh, Pat Shermer coached, you know, right after him, 2011, 2012. So there's actually probably a lot of overlapping players, um, you know. So, like, this is a pretty, you know, good argument for our, for argument's sake as to, you know, who was the better coach. Um, Eric Mangini went uh, 10 and 22. And Pat Shermer went nine and twenty three, so really not that far off in their uh, their records. Um, so, just to give everybody an idea how this is going to go. Obviously, there's four of us. We don't want a tiebreaker. Um, so Zach, myself, and Justin are going to be the votes. Josh is still going to throw his two cents in, and uh, you know, kind of push us in a direction. But when it comes down to voting time to see who advances, it's going to be between the three of us. So we're not sitting here for four hours trying to. You know, break the tie. Well, I'll just be the one to let you guys know if you made the right choice or not. (laughs) (laughs) So, without further ado, we can move into this round one (laughs) fight. Uh, For me, this is clearly, even though there's only a one game difference, Eric Mangini all day, every day. So, okay, so... now, are you looking just at their tenure in Cleveland? J- yes, yes, just in yeah. Cleveland. Okay, because yeah. Eric Mangini was a good coach Absolutely. elsewhere. Absolutely. Yeah. Elsewhere. But if you look when he was in Cleveland, he... Very 5-11-ish and 11-ish all yeah. day. I mean, Both he, seasons. He had, the, you know, the... What was it? The one more win than uh, Pat yeah. Shermer? Uh, looking at the stats, so Pat Shermer... Uh, Went four and twelve, then five and eleven. He had uh, he had actually a better defense in his years than Eric Mangini had. He had the team fifth out of who would have thought that in two thousand eleven the Browns were the fifth best defense in football. Yeah, out of we, out of thirty two teams, we've had good defenses, man. Fifth best defense, only give up nineteen points a game. Problem was we were scoring thirteen point six points per game. <laughs> uh, but I'm going Mangini. Uh, as well, I, I wasn't a Pat Shermer fan um, at all. He was just a guy that I was frustrated week after week to find out how how are we going to lose this week? What's Pat Shermer going to do to cost us this game? Uh, but I don't think it's as broad Browns career wise as what many people think of like Eric Mangini because things weren't going right when he was here either. No. Here's my thing, though, is Eric Mangini, if you watch the Browns, you saw 
especially in his second season, you were starting to see progress. We were competing in those games. Um, We were creative on offense, you know, doing what we had to do to score points. I remember like Curbs lining up at quarterback, uh, all kinds of stuff. Um, I just remember with the Pat same Shermer, stuff you'd call a wrinkle for Freddie Kitchen. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but when your whole offense is the wrinkle, that's the problem. Man, man Genie would throw it in, in times that were smart. Um, Pat Shermer, man, he just made terrible. He was like the pre- Freddie Kitchens before Freddie Kitchens when Freddie Kitchens was still playing quarterback at Alabama or whatever. Yep. He, was, I mean, just terrible, terrible um, decision making. I remember we'd be like down three or down two with two minutes to go in the game, instead of going for two, he'd kick the extra point, and then we'd try to kick an onside or something, and we'd lose by one. He was so bad. Do we want to look at, um, I know you were talking about Zach not scoring very many points, mm-hmm. so it looks like, correct me if I'm looking at this wrong, Mangini was operating with Brady Quinn and Colt McCoy, and Shermer was operating with Colt McCoy and Brandon Whedon. Correct. Yes. So they did have that crossover, at least in the quarterback yeah. position. Yeah, and then uh, running back-wise... Man, Genie benefited in 2010, his 5-11 and 11 season. He benefited from the – that was the Peyton Hillis year. Ooh. Uh. That was the Peyton Hillis year, 1,100 yards rushing, almost 1,200. Uh, and then the next season, Pat Shermer's first year, he got 500-yard Peyton Hillis. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he made it to on, the mountaintop. He was yeah, done. Yeah, he got on that Madden cover and was like, I'd call it a career. So – but we all agree it was Mangini, right? To me, this yeah. is the easiest one. Yeah, it's definitely Mangini. Okay. <clears throat> so we won't spend too much time on that one just because I think it's a clear-cut favorite. This, you know, we're going to move into some fun stuff now. This is the 3-6 matchup. I don't know if you guys heard about this on our uh, defensive draft episodes. This uh, puts Mike Patton up against Rod Chudzinski. Uh you know. All right, everybody listening, just... Sit back, (laughs) hang tight. Yeah, it's going to be a bumpy ride. So Mike Patton coached in 2014 and 2015 with a 10 and 22 record. Chudzinski only got he got boned, only got one year, uh, four and 12 (laughs) record. Okay. To me, I'm calling the upset here. To me, Rob Chudzinski was a better coach than Mike Patton. You're crazy. We've already been over this. It's not (laughs) even close. And here we go. What do you mean it's not even close? It's not even close, Mike. Mike Patton was a better coach. You're you're insane. I'm My, not insane. He had the. I mean, you're talking about guys who inherited almost the exact same roster and comparing them, whatnot. The rosters weren't that much different for Mike Patton and Chudzinski. It was one right after the other. Ch- and Chudzinski had Josh Gordon taking the league by storm, huge year, record numbers for the Browns and four less games or two or four less games, whatever it was that year. He and. Patton never had that. Correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't Shazinski's quarterback get hurt? Yeah, the same quarterback that you put down saying Brian Hoyer's not any good. Yeah, but <laughs> if you're going to use the argument that Brian Hoyer you know, is the best quarterback we had in the last 10 years, then don't tell me that Mike Patton's a good coach when he couldn't win with him. But he did. He did. He won mm-hmm. seven games he, with him. He, he won. won. Now, hang on. Now, this records, is my records, jumping 10 in. and 22. He won. He got to coach 16 Ow. more games, and he won what? He won six more games. Okay, the year that Brian Hoyer had his year was the year that um, Johnny Manziel was forced down his throat. No. And then mm-hmm. that transitioned the next year into Josh McCown. Yeah, Josh, Johnny Manziel was never forced down Mike Pettin's throat. He was never. No, yes, he was. no, no. We, dra- we drafted Johnny. And you know why people said we got to play Johnny? Because we just kept losing. with Brian Hoyer, we lost, what, five games in a row to end the season? 
Yeah. Right. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Go back if you want to go then, back and, and then look. to start the next this. season, and then to start the next season, we were terrible again. He was not. No, you know what forced Johnny Manziel down Mike Penn's throat? The fact that he could not win a game. We were seven and four, and he could not win one football game down the stretch. But Ray Farmer got suspended for texting down. I mean, was, doing stuff you're not allowed to do. He was seven and we're nine his first season. So let's play a, a coach. We're going to blame losing games on a GM texting. Okay, so I'm we're going to blame it on the way he drafted. Yeah, I, that's what I was going to. The argument that draft is destroyed that whole. His coaching career. That was like the pinnacle of dysfunction. There was two miserable, horrible, complete misses in the first round. Okay. So yeah, if you go, if you go and you look at that. Okay. So you take Chud's first season, four and 12, Penton's first season, seven to nine. Of those nine losses, four of the games were less. What was Penton's second season? That was the year with Johnny. Is that which one you're talking yeah, about? What was the second? We'll season? bring it up that it's the year with Johnny. What was the second season? Three and thirteen. Oh, so one oh. less. One less. So the, maybe if Chud would have got a second season, who knows what he would have done? Well, there was a reason he, Chud he, didn't he, get a he second got season. a second season he was with terrible. with your Brian. The season that uh, Petten went what uh, three and thirteen or uh, seven and nine, Chud would have had himself, North Turner, Ray Horton. He would have had Brian Hoyer. He would have had all that talent. He, I guarantee you Chud's not losing five games in a row at the end of the year. Yeah, well, okay. Also, I'm just saying, you just just completely went over the point of like an argument just to make yourself sound better. That Petten, <laughs> of, those, of those nine losses, literally uh, possession here or there changes that season. A loss is a loss. Okay. I don't care and how they lost. I'm going to look at Chud's. I don't care how they lost. A loss is a loss. A loss is different, though. A like loss. getting blown out and being in like, wow, we, this guy has no idea what he's doing and losing a game by a point here or two points here. A loss is a loss. If I'm pretty sure I looked this stuff up and it was like crazy that the Browns like lost the lead in three out of those four games in the last two minutes of the game. Oh, well, December 14th against the Bengals, we did play a tough one against the Bengals. We only lost 30 to nothing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. There, I'm gonna we we only that. lost 30 to nothing to the Bengals, the third loss in a row at home with, a, you know, a potential playoff berth on the line. If we can just win, like, two games, you know. But hey, was, wasn't Petten, didn't Petten have us within two games of making the playoffs? How many games were Chud out of the playoffs? Probably not by that much. He he only won three more. We're talking about Mike Patton being the supreme coach. He, he won, won th- three more games. Three Chad only won four. <laughs> yeah, and Mike Patton only won seven. He had to double his win total to have more wins than Patton had in a year. Three. We're going to say Patton is so much better than Chad over three wins. Three wins is the difference between... In Brown's history, the last look seven at, coaches, yes. Three look wins at, is let's a... Look at some of these wins that the Browns had, too, uh, with Patton. Almost beating the Super Bowl champs, Denver Broncos. Yeah, the lost Titans, him in overtime. The Titans <laughs> were garbage then. Uh, the Steelers, which is a good win, but they were not good. <laughs> this is back when like Tommy Maddox and stuff was, you know. Uh, the Raiders have been garbage. The Buccaneers garbage. The Bengals garbage. And this is how you could tell that Mike Pettin completely lost the team. We beat the Bengals twenty four to three. Okay. And then what? Six weeks later, we lost thirty nothing. You saying Tommy Maddox? Who the hell are you talking about, Tommy <laughs> Maddox? Are you serious? Two thousand fourteen uh, Pittsburgh Steelers were good. They made the playoffs. Yep. Tommy Maddox. We lost. With the, oh, we lost the Steelers two week one. We lost to the Ravens. Who By was the Ravens points. quarterback Close back game. then? We lost two points to the Ravens. Uh. And no, we didn't beat like any. The Raiders were garbage. The Buccaneers were garbage. The Bengals were garbage. The Falcons were garbage. 
All of our wins were against crap. And like I said, he completely lost the team. Completely lost the team. We lost 26 going down the stretch. Lost 26 to 10 to the Bills. Lost 25 to 24 to the Colts. 30 to freaking nothing to the Bengals. Uh, 17-13 to the Panthers and 20-10 to 10 again to the, the Ravens. Our team completely gave it. That's the biggest problem I had, too, with Mike Pettin. He was not a player's coach. Nobody wanted, By the end of that season, you couldn't have got Mike Pettin out of there fast enough. People hated him. Notice he hasn't even got an interview for head coach since he left Cleveland. None of these yeah. guys have. <laughs> Nobody okay, hold on a second. Where's Trudzinski coaching right now? Do you know? Uh, I, it, I it's do college, know. right? Boston College. Yeah. Boston College. Where's Mike Pettin coaching? Defensive, he's defensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers. So if you look at who's well, got hey, the better well, job well, right hey, now, where, where's the Freddie, thirteen and three? Where's yeah? Where's yeah. Well, hey, where's Fre- the top ten defense hey, in the league? Where's Freddie Kitchens coaching? He's a tight ends coach for the Jets. Where's the, Lincoln? The, where's not, Lincoln we're Riley? Not talking about Freddie right where's now. Where's Lincoln Riley coaching? <laughs> oh, he's in college. Freddie must be better than Lincoln Riley because one's in college and one's in the pros. No, not one's a tight ends <laughs> yeah. coach and one's a head coach what? of a powerhouse college football team. Yeah. Chudzinski isn't even the head coach of a college team. He like keeps stats and breaks down film for him. All right, I seriously want. I want to just, I want to come back to, and I know Blake, you're going to jump on me for this again, yeah, but absolutely. Also the, just the, real quick. I want to say that Bengals team that beat us 30, nothing playoffs that year. Just saying <laughs> they the, went, they went 10 and five that year. You know who 10. didn't go to the playoffs, the Browns. Cause we lost uh five in a row at the end of the season. Okay. So for Petten, I mean, you got to understand the Johnny effect was real. For this guy. I mean, it it did derail his opportunity in Cleveland because I'm looking through the box scores of his second season, the 3-13 and 13 season. Johnny Manziel started the first two games, and then it was Josh McCown for the next four. And then after that, it was McCown and Manziel, McCown and Manziel. And then it was Manziel. And then it was McCown. I mean, it, the whole Johnny thing was a nightmare, an absolute nightmare, because Haslam was like, I'm going all in on this guy. He's the guy. And Johnny's like, I like... Uh, white powder. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey, more than anything else. I was at this Tennessee Titans game where Johnny lit it up. We won 28-14. I was Guess at that he game. was lit up. So yeah, he, yeah, he, I, I was at that game. One I of was his, at that game. One of his wins. Maybe if he would have like been like, Johnny's the guy. We're going to go with him. We're going to build an offense around this guy. I'm not saying it works, but guess what gives you a better chance than just like constantly. It's your quarterback, and you're like in okay. the public That's eyes. Fair. That's terrible. fair. Maybe he did. What? How do we know he didn't say, all right, we're going to build an offense around Johnny. And then they're like, hey, everybody, give Johnny a round of applause. He's our, wait a second, where's? Oh, he's not even here. Yeah. Johnny, are you here today? I and know. Then, yeah. I know how I know he didn't say that because literally, I remember press conferences where you're just talking bad about his own quarterback all the time. Hey, that great even game! If, even I if you think your quarterback game, fantastic game against that Tennessee Titans. Johnny lit up the three and thirteen Tennessee Titans. One of the best teams in the AFC that year. Hey, they were they well, were third touchdown pass on like second play of the game. Yeah, two of he threw two of his seven touchdown passes in six games. Listen, I'd game. like to see the first the first half of that game. We were letting Johnny actually play, and then the second half we went into like just don't lose this game mode, and we he only he threw like six passes in the second half. All right, hey. How about closing arguments? I'm going to yeah. we'll let Justin actually be the tiebreaker on this one because yeah. if we spend much more time on round one, we're not getting through this bracket. <laughs> to me, it's Chud all day. Sell me on it, guys. Sell it's, me it's on Chud it. It's Chud all day. Closing he, arguments. He went four and twelve. He went four and twelve 
He went four and twelve with not a great roster. The very next season, Mike Pettin gets a, a better roster, goes seven and nine. Don't tell me, Chud. I don't, I, Blake. I don't <laughs> completely disagree with you on that. Okay. Okay. So you mean, you don't think Pettin's <laughs> they, they roster destroyed was better? Their team for years with their draft picks. Oh, okay. I want to know who was the better roster. How was it a better roster? Who's who are you picking out? A quarterback. Like, who? Brian Patton got to play with Hoyer for a whole season. And then he had, and he also had Jason Campbell, who was a competent NFL quarterback. It was a starter for multiple teams. Was who had that? That's, that was Chud's second quarterback. Yeah. He had Brian Hoyer and then Jason Campbell went one and seven. Yeah. Jason Campbell, NFL floater guy. When, when was Jason Campbell ever a starting quarterback? Washington. When, when he was Washington, really good, bro. He was not really and good. Yes, when he, he started was. in Seattle. Yes, he was. Who, who was. Who took his spot in Washington? I don't know. Be- I don't know. Fa- took he, spot. Somebody took his spot because he wasn't that good. Got older. Just we always get good quarterbacks at the tail end of their career when they're not good anymore. Just like Jake DeLome. I mean, he was a good quarterback. Yep. When he For was Carolina. a good quarterback. Yeah. I mean, not everybody's going to be a good quarterback. So, just, entire- yeah, so we got him at the end of his career when he wasn't that good. So Josh just proved my point. Okay. So you're well, Mike Patton got to play with who you say is the best quarterback the Browns have had in ten years, and he lost five games in a row after starting seven and four. All right. Closing argument, Zach. We okay. got to get through this. So, I knew this one was going to be. So up. Mike yeah. Patton is the better coach. <laughs> Went seven and nine the next year, right after Chad got fired because they didn't want him in anymore in Cleveland because he won four games. As soon as hang on, as soon as Mike Patton got a second season, a chance to build his program, he went three and thirteen. No, that never, was, he didn't Chud, build his program. Chud never even got a chance to build. We were a program. over this. He did not build his program. He did not draft Johnny Manziel. He did not build his program. Okay, he didn't bring him in. But I mean, I'm just. I've already made the argument. I'm not going to keep saying the same stuff over and over again. Mike Patton still coaching the NFL. All right, Justin. In college. You got to break this tie and you got to break know. it clean, man. Um, I'll go with uh, just based on how crappy that draft was. Blake, don't freak out. <laughs> Hang on a second. One more second. Let's look. You, you act like Chudzinski had some great draft to help him out. I'm just saying that they set that guy's back. They set that team back with Johnny and with Gilbert. Listen to this was Chudzinski's draft. First round pick, Barkevius Mingo. Third round pick, Leon McFadden. Sixth round pick, Jamora Slaughter. Seventh round pick, Armani Bryant. Seventh round pick, Garrett. G- the Browns didn't had one pick in the first three rounds. In the third round, we took Leon McFadden. Don't tell... Mike Pettin got screwed in the draft. Chudzinski's an offensive-minded guy. We had Chudzinski and North Turner. We took Barkevius freaking Mingo, number one in the draft. Hey, those guys that you just named that drafted defense, Pettin had him a top five defense. <laughs> the years that he coached. We were a good, we were top Jamora defense. Slaughter, Armani Bryant, Garrett Gilkey, were they, they big were key on the contributors? Roster. They were on the roster yeah, for well, Pettin. Were they big key contributors? No, they weren't. They were on the roster for Pettin. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to have to call this one a victory to Mike Pettin, and we are going to have to move on to the most <laughs> enticing matchup in this uh, bracket, I do believe. Yeah, it just keeps getting better. Yeah. Now Pettin's going to get to go to the championship, only because I can't argue this next one. <laughs> well, we'll see what we'll see what the yeah. listeners think. Uh, if you guys think that uh, Blake's right with Chud, chime in, let us know, mm. please. That's what this is all about. All right, what do we got next? Next matchup, Freddie Kitchens, Hugh Jackson. You guys already know how I feel about this. You're- yeah, so I, we've, yeah, we've had this, this discussion already. Uh, and 
I'm going. I'm going Freddie Kitchens on this one as a better coach than Hugh Jackson. Okay, right. so, this should complete. Yeah. Can we go back? This should completely okay, hold on. Not hold put on. any merit to okay. his argument from the okay. last one. Okay, what was I'm sort of with you on that? Okay, so Freddie Kitchens. Well, one, I don't want to. I'm not going to just make everybody always agree either. Hugh Jackson. One of the biggest things that I hated about Hugh Jackson is after he got fired, how he handled everything. That nothing was his fault. That he went 0 and 16, 1 and 15, 2 5 and 1. Nothing was his fault. If he he was even quoted saying that if he was able to do in year three what he did, in, or if he was able to take what they were doing in year three and do it in year one, you mean two, five, and one? Well, time out, though. You the guy just... who didn't start Baker Mayfield, didn't want to play Nick Chubb, and made all those decisions, said Cody Kessler was his guy. Trust me on this, guys. I'm going to take the 16th best quarterback on the draft board. We're going to take him We're going to take him early. We're going to take him sixth best quarterback off the board in the draft. Time out, though. If you're going to give Mike Pettin a pass because Johnny Manziel was shut down his throat. You keep going back listen, to these no, other things. Listen, if you're gonna, it's a different, it's a different gonna, game. If you're going to give Pettin a pass for having Johnny Manziel shoved down his throat, then you got to give Hugh Jackson a pass for having Todd Haley shoved down his throat. He did not want to hire Todd, Todd Haley. Todd Haley was a very successful he offensive coordinator and him and Hugh Jackson just he wanted but, to do different things and he was like nah man we can't do that if you watch Hugh Jackson was definitely Hugh Jackson was the head coach and he had an offensive coordinator shoved down his throat that he did not want creating a power struggle no cohesion in the offense Do you remember when Hugh Jackson took over and was like okay I'm going to I'm going to call plays for the offense how well did we do We had no players man we had we were actively trying to lose. We had Justin just gave you petting for the draft. Let's look at the Browns drafts from those years. Uh. Literally, there is a quote with Mike Pettin saying, or not Mike Pettin, Hugh Jackson saying, if I'm worth my salt as a coach, I'll get the most out of Deshaun Kaiser. Well, he's got to say that kind of stuff. He probably did get the most out of Deshaun Kaiser. Deshaun Kaiser is one of the worst quarterbacks ever to play in the NFL. And you thought in, in Hugh Jackson should have won games with that guy? Probably no. the worst quarterback in the history of the NFL. What I'm saying is that Hugh Jackson... Just, I mean, if you uh, if you look back at those teams, there was, I mean, there's worse teams in the NFL that find ways to win games that like are trying to lose games. Miami, yeah, and the Browns in, in that time period couldn't do anything. Todd Haley was a really good offensive coordinator in Pittsburgh. When we got him, I was excited. I was like, "Hey, we're getting a guy in here that knows how to call plays." Yeah, I was excited too. But and then in like <laughs> episode one, I've uh, like researching for all this stuff. Episode one of Hard Knocks, and Todd Haley's like, "Hey, we should make practices a little bit more harder. You know, <clears throat> we should be a little bit more tougher on the guys at practice." Hugh Jackson, on now. But here's the <laughs> thing. So I was excited <laughs> for Todd Haley too. But I'm not the coach of the Browns. Hugh Jackson's the coach. If he didn't want him, he shouldn't have been there. Yeah, but if he didn't want him, he shouldn't have been there. It's just like it's just like Johnny from Mike Pettin. It's the exact same thing. Everybody, I mean, uh, Jimmy and D were super excited for Johnny. So then Mike Mike should have been like, "Well, I don't want him." But everybody's excited. Hang on, hang on. So I'm sorry, but Shermer and Chud. Have already left. They're you know yes, we, we, we sat, we sat in the corner but, and they, they but actually I'm walked out of the room. Use, that's the arguments he's flipping. Don't know. go there with the <laughs> the whole coaching wise because I, I could say Mike Pettin's second year wasn't great because he didn't have Kyle Shanahan either. If you're going based on oh, who their assistants were and who their coordinators. No, were. what I'm saying is you you can't hold that against Hugh Jackson. He didn't want that guy. He did, he the first time he ever had talent on his team, he didn't get to call the plays or run the team the way he wanted to run it. So are you picking you in this matchup? Yes. Okay. Okay, so I'm definitely taking I'm taking here. Freddie Kitchens is the worst NFL head coach I have ever seen. Okay, ever. here's the thing with Freddie. Of like looking back, one, the guy went six and ten. 
won six games. I mean, he's one of the better coaches that we've had record-wise. in the. Game. And you're going to say talent was way different. Also, Freddie Kitchens, never coached before in the NFL, first year as a head coach. Hey, guess what? Browns are one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl. All right. Preseason so, on a lot paper. A lot yeah. of expectations given down to Freddie Kitchens. A lot of weight on his shoulders, and not once did he ever come out and say that what he what went wrong with the Browns wasn't his fault. So we're gonna give the, because there were high expectations and Freddie was new. Oh, it's okay. You didn't do good. Fre- Hugh Jackson six games. He won six games. Hugh Jackson was a one season head coach. It's he not like he came in with like twenty five years of head coaching experience. Well, so uh, er, uh, earlier, Blake. Though I mean. No, okay. here's what, here's what I'm going to say. It's I'm going to preface this. I do agree with you. I would vote Hugh, too, if I was voting on this thing. But earlier, you did say a loss is a loss. Yes. You had a lot Yes, more but to me, that's not the, the that's, that's not. We won in spite of Freddie Kitchens, not because of Freddie Kitchens. I'm with you on that. Yes. You can't say that. And Hugh Jackson had. Uh, I would like to go through our 53-man rosters the two years of Hugh, the 1-15, and 0-16, and see how many of those players are still in the NFL. Uh, what, 15% maybe, if we're lucky? Hmm. How many of these players on Freddie's coach team are going to still be in the NFL in five years? 75%. How many of them are going to be pro bowlers? They won't this, be on the this Browns. Guy, this guy was handed Super Bowl expectations in a Super Bowl roster, and he threw it down the drain. So Six wins. So my problem we, here, yeah, yeah. You so, the tiebreaker again. Yeah, so here's my thing with Freddie. From day one, Freddie never looked like a head coach. His players didn't look like they were there to play with him. Nobody was disciplined. The play calling was awful. Th- that first time, uh, Zach, I love you, you know this, but that first Tennessee game, we should have known. 18 flags, this is not going to go well. There was no discipline. There was no organization. I can agree. I agree with you that Freddie definitely – wasn't a head coach. My argument is that Hugh Jackson isn't either. I I would That's say why this one's tough. <laughs> yeah, and you're you're probably right there. And it obviously shows. He's literally. He. I don't even know if he's with Cincinnati anymore. I think they got rid of him no. when Zach Taylor yeah. came in. Um, but at least on from the outside looking in, Hugh Jackson looked like he could be the coach. Freddie Kitchens. I literally he would be wearing a shirt saying "Let's beat Pittsburgh" <laughs> the night before they beat. They would go to play Pittsburgh. Right after Miles Garrett started hit, it. hit a guy in the head with a helmet, you know, hit Mason Rudolph. I mean, it's unreal. Like the things that happened last year, I've never seen anything like it. Like I was just like, wow. We Freddie Kitchens joke. would have been the absolute best Browns fan to watch a game with. You know what yeah, Freddie Kitchens should have been? He should have been a coach for like the XFL if they were like doing finishing moves out <laughs> on the field or something like that. He would be premium, he been, premium he'd coach. He would have been great at drawing up that, you yeah. know, four point extra point Absolutely. play from the 10 yard run in there and give me a DDT out of nowhere. Like he's <laughs> the guy is an idiot. And if he's watching, I'm sorry, but it was a joke last year. I've I, never as a Browns fan been more sick to my stomach and disappointed in I'm a not saying, I'm saying, Except for 15. I'm not saying that <laughs> Freddie Kitchens is one of the best coaches that the Browns had. I'm saying in this match, up Hugh Jackson. I'm saying this isn't an argument who is like a better coach. It was who was the worst coach. Freddie was the worst coach. I don't think I, I and I get you have one season that you had with Freddie Here, Kitchen. Here's my argument. Okay. Hugh Jackson went one in fifteen. Right. Okay. Just because we blocked a field goal. On he went one in fifteen, <laughs> got another another chance. Went 0 and sixteen, got another chance. 
because he obviously people thought this guy can still coach. Freddie Kitchens had what our third best season in twenty I, years, and they said you got to get the hell out I of don't here. Think, I don't suck. think I don't think that huge. I don't think there was a bunch of guys knocking down the door to one of the Browns' job and when it, we were it, going one and fifteen. And you would have found somebody to be the coach. I mean, you could have found anybody would have taken an NFL job. So this guy went one and fifteen. Owen 16 and still got brought back. Freddie went six and 10 and they said, you are awful. You got to go coach tight ends. Well, for the the, Jets. Okay. One, Freddie was awful, but it wasn't just like, I mean, everybody was calling for Freddie's name. I mean, everybody was calling for Hugh Jackson's name. Nobody wanted to come to Cleveland. I mean, he was so great. He had us ranked 32nd and 31st both years that he was the coach in Cleveland who, what name a coach out there that was like, Hey, that's the team I want to go to bring me in or whatnot. Cause if there was other options out there, we wouldn't we wouldn't have been keeping Hugh. You would. I disagree. I think we brought him back because we were trying to show continuity and we were trying to actually stick with somebody. And they knew like that he had nothing. They were giving. I already him know where this garbage. is going. We're picking Hugh Jackson, historically the worst NFL, the worst right, coach. You, you pick you. I will take Justin you. picks you. Absolutely, it's the worst coach in major sports you history. You can no, that, yeah. you were the tiebreaker. Well, man. I'm just saying. I mean, but I think it's very obvious. Freddie Kitchens. Is complete no, garbage. No, and, and Zach, I'm, I, I'm with these guys. I'm sorry. I know. I, I know. That's all right. You guys choose the worst is, coach. This is the worst I match. Have down, you want to take Hugh Jackson, but you've got to be the bad guy. Now, hang here, on. Now, now, if Hugh that. makes it out of the second round, then I got to get. I, I got to leave. We got to shut the show down. We can't talk about Browns anymore. So, yeah. It, <laughs> let's let's move on to the Blake. What do you got for your second round matchups here? So we got. So moving on, we got now we got Greg Williams against uh, Eric Mangini, and then we got Mike Patton versus Hugh Jackson. Oh Lord! <laughs> so can we change this? For those of you guys who might not know this, Greg Williams, only Browns coach in the last you know twenty years to have a winning record with the the Browns, or no, not 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 twenty years. We had a winning record when we went ten and six. Mm. Um, so, but he went five and three second half of the year after he was let go, um, and after Todd Haley was let go, and we promoted the genius Freddie to offensive coordinator. Um, and then we had Eric Mangini, who we already, you know, he beat the rails off Pat Shermer in round one. Um, for me, because we're focusing on Browns Browns coaching here, I'm going to go with Greg Williams to win this. Simply because he took a team that was in complete disarray, tons of dysfunction. Um, you know, we just fired a, a, a coach and a coordinator. Nobody saw that coming. Promoted a guy who, you know, fast forward one season we saw was probably a moron uh, to offensive coordinator. And he somehow kept that team together, kept them disciplined. And we, we looked like a real football team going down the stretch. Um, if we were going overall career, I'd probably have to pick Mangini because he had good years with the Jets. And I do think that he's a smart guy and a decent coach. Um but Brown's career, I got to go Greg Williams. Here's here's what you just said about Greg Williams, too. I mean, not only was that team in complete disarray, but they had just come off 1-15, 0-16, a terrible start, rookie quarterback. Dysfunction. Dysfunction, dysfunction. And then all of a sudden, it changed. Yep. Split locker room. Like, you had players. Yeah. Some guys wanted Tyrod. Some guys wanted Baker. Lot of lot of problems. I mean, all the I don't know what kind of discipline he brought down, or I I don't know how he handled things, but it worked. He probably that, was like, "Hey, I'll give you guys a hundred dollar bill cut. if you go yeah. out there and get a touchdown or take that quarterback's head off." <laughs> yeah, Greg Williams. Uh, I I liked Greg Williams. I liked that you know he's kind of in 
aspects a real football coach. Like yeah. I want, I, you know, I kind of like, I don't like agree with the, Hey, I'm going to give you money, you know, to be a, on this bounty or whatnot to take, take this guy out. In this allegedly. Game. allegedly. Uh, and it didn't help that one, <laughs> one of those guys he probably had a bounty on was Odell Beckham that he hurt in 2017, uh, that he didn't get the job in Cleveland last year. Um, but that was the biggest thing with Greg Williams is the players. A lot of the there's some players that really buy in, and then like we're like, man, the guys are playing super well for this guy. And then when it was like coming down to it, like, hey, do you guys want Greg Williams back? Everybody was kind of like, uh, no comment. That that I heard a lot of players. But Odell again, Odell was one of them. Demarius Randall is no longer in Cleveland. Was one of them. One thing I'll say about that though is fast forward a year. To me, it seems like. Greg Williams was holding the players to a standard and they were annoyed by being held to a standard because they seem to enjoy, you know, loose Freddy. Yeah. Loose Freddy, you yeah. know, be fighting in training camp against the Colts, punching somebody from the Titans week one, hitting somebody with the, in the head with a helmet, you know, You're just representing Cleveland, man. That's, yeah. that's you know what I mean? So I feel it's almost like, you know, people don't like it when their boss is around. You know, because they'd rather just, you know, act a fool a little bit. Greg Williams was kind of like that good overseer um, of the team, held him to a higher standard, and they just were like, eh, I don't really feel like that. He got the most out of those guys. Yeah, I mean, I'm I mean, sure not everybody loves playing for Bill Belichick. Right. But when you're there, it's, you're not screwing around. Exactly. You got to find the people who are willing to buy into that kind of system. And if mm-hmm. they're not willing, no matter how good they are, you know, it's you have to be willing to cut ties with those guys if they're not willing to buy in. Well, and that's what Bill does. Yeah. If you don't fit my system, I don't care who you are, your name, your resume, nothing. You're gone. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And I mean, there's obviously because Greg Williams has been a successful defensive coach for a decade. Or, you know, yeah. I mean, he was Saints. he was he was good with the Saints back when, you know, they had everything. And Sean Payton kind of mm-hmm. got he was suspended for. What, almost a year. It was a year, right? Yeah, he was just, and, and he took, he took over. It was his fault and he took over and, you know, he had Drew Brees, but you know, he, he did fine as a head coach there. So there's obviously other things behind the scenes that probably a lot of people don't know actually go on of the reason why he's not been a head coach, because when he has had to step into that role, he's always succeeded. Mm-hmm. It but, is interesting. Yeah. Like there's definitely something there. And maybe it's just his personality and GMs are just like, Hey, I can't work with this guy. <laughs> like I'll, I'll work with some, I'll work with Hugh Jackson, nice guy or whatnot. And he can handle Fred or yeah. Greg Williams. Uh, but uh, I think when it comes down to this too, I'm taking Greg Williams as well, just because it was a lot of fun to watch the Browns when he was at the helm. And you can't say that about many Browns no. teams. I think the last coach you could say that was fun to watch our team was probably Shadzinski. <laughs> All right, or, Justin. Or uh, <laughs> Who knows? Depends on how you're feeling on the left side of the table. Who knows? All I'm saying, you know, our receiver led the league in receiving that year. We were fun to watch. Um, I digress. So I, I love Greg Williams. I thought it was very, very fun watching them. And there was an excitement. There's a buzz yeah. with Cleveland, which is crazy because I'm going to take Mangini. I know it obviously doesn't matter. Um, Mangini like had for me some of the more memorable wins against quality, quality teams and had no roster. I know that doesn't, I don't want to get this started. Uh, I'm just saying literally the rosters for that, for that guy were terrible. Obviously we're not talking about what he's done outside of Cleveland. The resume speaks for itself. I mean, he, he's got Super Bowl titles. Um, but yeah, I would have to go with him if he had that roster that, let's say a Freddie or even, you know, Greg Williams had, I think that we would be, we wouldn't be talking about how miserable we are, how we don't, you know, 
can't yeah. get any wins. No, no, I, I, I don't disagree with you in and in that you can't, that I wouldn't think Mangini could be picked over Greg yeah. Williams. Um, a lot of it's just, you know, more recent memory, too. Yeah, and, and of Greg I, don't, I, can't even, I can't even be upset with you on the pick because I, that guy was super fun to watch. Watching Hard Knocks and watching him interact with players and stuff was it just insane. He was one of the guys that made the show, kind of yeah. made the show interesting to watch. Like, oh, yeah. Greg Williams going to get after this guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Hugh Jackson, Hugh Jackson's going to go buy him an ice cream. Yeah. Well, and then the players were, dish, you know, they're going right back at him, you know. Like, yeah. I, I can't remember who. I want to say it was um, the linebacker. Or, no, he was uh, an end. I can't remember, but the lozenge thing. Where, you know, like. For, uh, was it Carl Nassib? Yeah, yeah, Nassib. Yep. And his voice is going out, and he's like, you know, coach, you need a, a lozenge. I won't go into quotations on what Greg Williams <laughs> said back to him. If you have HBO and it's not edited out, uh, go and check that out. It's very funny. You'll laugh a lot. But that was the most <laughs> that was the most fun that I've had watching the Browns. So I was in my entire life. I was I, I was because I remember like watching Hard Knocks and like things Greg Williams would say. Yeah, and like Greg Williams like when they were going over tackling with Denzel Ward and he kept calling him stupid. He told the media that he was stupid for the way he tackled or whatnot. <laughs> Hugh Jackson actually came out and yelled at him and be like, Hey, you can't call the player yeah. stupid. You can't tell him to the media that they're stupid. That's just the kind of guy Greg Williams was, which is probably why players don't like him. Yeah. Like, Hey, I'm getting paid millions of dollars. Don't be telling them the way I tackle mm-hmm. stupid. Well, and it's like you watch like, uh, I don't know if anybody watches like uh last chance you or some, like any of those kind of shows, like the way those coaches talk to their players that's Greg Williams. He just goes in there and loses his mind on you, freaks out on you, that you're about to go in for the second half and you're a hype. You're, there's a lot of energy. You go out and play well. I don't know if that's exactly what was going on there, but he got everything out of those well, guys. I mean, I think sometimes we forget that football is such a high, you know, highly violent contact sport. Yeah. I mean, you know, some guys you just, you don't want to coddle them. You don't want them to be yeah. too soft because mm-hmm. I'm telling you, Let I mean, this go. game is vicious. You know what I mean? There's really no room for uh, political correctness in football. I'm sorry. Right. There just isn't. Right. I mean, this is a team sport. It's a, you're in a battle when you're playing football. Yep. I mean, it's different than playing baseball or basketball even. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. this is, a, these guys are running high. The adrenaline, I mean. Yeah. It, it's, it's crazy. And to go back into Hugh Jackson real quick and how dysfunctional that team was whenever uh, they made the shift to Greg Williams. That was the first year that I went to a Browns training camp. And I remember sitting on the sideline and there was a coach out there just ripping play. I mean, just screaming, cursing at these guys. Just, just, it was crazy. And I'm like, you know, and I'm sitting a little bit back. He used to count on the other field. I'm like, that must be Greg Williams. It was Todd Haley. Yeah. <laughs> so, Todd so, Haley was, yeah, they're like kind yeah. of the same breed. They would yell so at you each had other. Todd Haley yeah. and you had Greg Williams out there and this is how they were running their, yeah. their sides of the ball. And it was just was not Hugh Jackson's personality at all. You know what I yeah. mean? So that's where that power struggle was. And yeah, and that's kind of that another reason why Greg Williams probably hasn't been a head coach is a lot of the head coaches like even though some of them we don't like Bill Belichick's in a different realm of yeah. He's in control. A lot of the GMs on other teams are like, "Hey, you know, if I tell you there's a head coach that we need to be doing this, or you need to do your press conference this sort of way." It happens. If you tried telling that to Greg Williams, he'd tell you to yeah. Take a hike. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah like, uh, yeah, no. With his visor on and his glasses. He'd, he'd tell <laughs> you to get lost. Look at the team that rolled out that year. With the, you know what I mean? They came in, and even though they lost those first few, I mean, so it was a tie and then a loss. Right. We were in those games. There was not a moment in any of those games where I was like, 
oh man, this is over. It yeah. would be like 30 seconds left and we're throwing a 60 yard pass against the Saints in the dome. And I can't remember. I thought we were going to beat the Saints. We should have beat the Saints. We we should should the Raiders game what? was insane. Missed a field goal. Yeah. Or a field yeah, goal. missed a field yeah. goal and it came out. I forget who our kicker was. That. Was that? He got it was, cut. It's a young kid from. Uh, gosh, yeah, I can't uh, remember. Travis Coon? No. Uh, no. I don't think it was. I don't think it was Coons. It was Zegon Gonzalez. Yeah, yeah. And the guy was playing with like a torn groin or whatnot that came out and he was like, yeah, I just didn't want to lose my job. And then they cut him. He kicked for like. Like three weeks or something with like a torn groin, he yeah. like it killed him to <laughs> kick a ball. So we tied against the Steelers week one that year. Uh, Should have beat the Saints in week two. You know, if our kicker makes a kick at week three against the Raiders, should have won that game if the yeah. officials don't overturn the first I think, down. I think that was week four. Three, week yeah. three week was four. the Jets game. Yeah, was absolutely. You were there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the Thursday the night Baker game. Baker game. Yep, Baker yeah. game. Okay, so just I want to rewind real quick. Oh, if God. Hugh Jackson wins those games, would you have then said Hugh is better than Freddie? Well, how about this? Are we transitioning down to the Hugh versus Patton? Yeah. There you go. Okay. We've already got Williams going on to the championship yeah. here. Yeah, Williams moves on, even though I, I, I did like Mangini. Which I, he was another guy that was kind of like kind of surprising. Like he got like a raw end of like, hey, he tried to come and change the culture. We gave well, him a few years, and then he didn't go anywhere. Else. He didn't really go anywhere else. That was now he's just always on ESPN. He's always on like the herd. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, so all right, so Patton versus Hugh. Mm. You know what you got to do. This pains. I'm, Can I'm, we not pick anybody and just let? Uh, <laughs> I'm picking Patton. I'm gonna pick Patton too. I mean, <laughs> I mean, if this was if, if my guy would have won done. round one, I'm done. If I, I would have round, oh, well, here I, I know, can. I, feel, I know what you're. I, I can know. argue all day. Chud versus Petten. I, I can't argue Hugh versus. No, it's just funny. Right. The, the arguments yeah. for every matchup <laughs> yeah. so far, and this one was Petten. Yeah, yeah Petten's good. Yeah. Yeah. Push it along. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to argue. You know, I don't like to look at wins and losses and stuff like that. But both these guys had bad, ro- bad rosters, and you was. <laughs> You know, no, what's the best is that you argued so hard for Petten, and then you know, the arguments for Hugh was so intense, and then this one comes up as Petten, Petten. Well, comparing these two, it was an easy choice between these two, and like everybody hangs on to that year of like when you look at his kind of his overall career of Hugh Jackson went eight and eight or whatnot out there. For the in, Raiders. Yeah, yeah. Out there in Oakland. And then he wasn't there the next year because they knew that, and he blamed it on, I think Davis, the owners and mm-hmm. all that. Oh, we didn't see eye to eye, yada, yada, yada. Like all, oh, cause Al Davis is like hard, like, Hey, you can yell at the players. And he was like, Hey, no, I can't. Don't be silly. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it, uh, Mike Petten, I, I enjoyed watching Mike Pettin as a coach. He was like, he looked like a football coach to me. He mm-hmm. acted like a football coach. I mean, there was a lot of times like he, him and Kyle Shanahan, we talked about him. Uh, he was the offense coordinator of the seven and nine year. And like those two would get into it on like the sidelines yes, or yeah. whatnot. Like there, there was one video where Pettin like told him like run the ball, like, or whatnot, like run the ball. It was like one of the, like their famous exchanges and, and Shanahan just kind of gave him a look and called a pass and, <laughs> and scored a touchdown or whatnot. And Pettin and Shanahan's like, we did that stuff all the time. It was just caught on tape or whatnot. That was the way he like pushed me or whatnot. To, and mm-hmm. look where Shanahan's at today. Yeah. Not that Pettin had anything to do with that. Cause I'm not saying that he did. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, Petten probably tells people like, "Oh yeah, look, he coached under me. Look what happened. Look what, what I'm I, hearing look what is I made that Petten pushed away the best coach the Browns have ever had. No, Gosh, I think ownership. Yeah. Po- 
ownership pushed away Kyle Shanahan. He said there was no Johnny Manziel pushed away. There was no way that Shanahan was like, "Hey, man, I just want to stick around here and coach for Jimmy Haslam." I, I think that that's anybody ever said that. Well, no, I, and I, I don't think I think that's one of the biggest. Even going into this year, the biggest problem with the Browns, whether our ownership just cannot so, just get out of the way. Here's and a let question. Do their job. Here's a different question that we could have because we all have okay. Why aren't what were our expect expectations of the Browns last year? What were they? Yeah, what did you guys think going into the season? I yeah. can literally remember at least ten wins. I already said I was real stupid last so, year. Yeah. Okay. So like high expectations, right? With Freddie Kitchens, mm-hmm. and then now this year we're kind of like ah, we're going to table with Kevin Stefanski, a more proven NFL with the same roster. I'm not gonna lie. I'm the same idiot every year. Every year I'm like, this is it. We're doing it. We're doing it right now. Yeah, so that's just like one of those things though, like this year, because I think I'm, and I'm hoping, I mean, I think all of us hope Stefanski's the answer for our coaching staff. But what if he comes out and goes six and 10? Are we saying, ah, uh, you can't, you can't fire him. Here's the thing. Uh, there's, it, it wasn't just six and 10 last year that got Freddie yeah. fired. I'm not saying it was, no, but it was I'm the saying, incompetence. Was, I mean, yes, it was I'm the, saying how penalties. The if he comes split. out and he goes four and 12, it depends on how we look. Yeah. It depends it, on how it, we look. It depends we go on four it. and twelve. Do we have? Do we? Do we go four and twelve and have you know four blowout losses? A player gets suspended for the rest of the season, and you know we average twelve penalties a game. Well, man, Freddie had to deal with all that. <laughs> I'm, I'm with Zach he, a little he bit on this. All that. It was four I, and twelve, or like three and thirteen. I think. I think then we got it. It doesn't really we matter how we through, lost we, those games. We went through game by game and just did our breakdown. And I had us at I think nine and seven when we talked earlier, and then I just had us at eleven and five. Yeah, like. Our schedule, there's no reason we shouldn't win more than five games, six games. I mean, our schedule is one of the easiest in the NFL this year. What if it happens like this? What if Baltimore comes out and they're saying they're, you know, 15 and one, something mm-hmm, like that? Mm-hmm. What if Roethlisberger comes out and is two, three years ago Ben Roethlisberger? What yeah. if Joe Burrow is every bit as good as everybody's been saying he is, and he just comes out and... A.J. Green's healthy and the and he, they, career year. And, they, and they're big, and they're really good. I mean... That's six games that you got to play that are tough. Yeah, and, and I know we've watched the Cincinnati ones. We're like, yeah, we're, we're, we're hands down better than that team, but I'm just saying, like, it, as a Browns fan, it wouldn't shock me at all. Right. But they're do I want to start over again? I don't know. I don't, yeah, think, really I, don't think, I don't think I don't I don't think you can fire a coach after one year again. I don't think you can do that two years so, in a row. So before we move into this final matchup, you know, Williams and Petten, uh talking about Stefanski, one thing that I really do like about the narrative is that last year we did interview him and then we picked Freddie over him. Right, which then, is but, surprising. But he didn't go and, and take a position somewhere else. He stayed in Minnesota and they kept him. They had a great offense last mm-hmm. year. They were a great team to watch. You know, they, they they moved the ball. They scored the ball. He knew he knew how to use the players he had. Yep. And now we turn around. We said, okay, screw it up, made a mistake. Come on back. Well, we'll hire you now. And he took the job. Yeah. So I just it wasn't like we we moved on to some other random guy that we never heard of. Or last year he ended up going and you know being an OC somewhere else and they sucked or anything like right. that. Or yeah. he was a head coach somewhere last year and they won three games like. He went yeah. right back to Minnesota. They won a lot of games. They looked good. And now he's our head coach. Here's two things about Stefanski. One thing, um, I'm optimistic because if you watch the Vikings last year, the offense didn't start that great, and there's a lot of complaining. And he kind of 
adapted, mm-hmm. uh, you know, trying to change things up a little bit, opened it up a little bit, you know, and then they really flourished under him. Mm-hmm. So he showed a willingness to, you know, hey, I can do this better. I am learning on the fly a little bit, you know, and then he took him. One thing that kind of scares me about him is how high Paul D. Podesta is on him. <laughs> because to this point so far, Paul He's D. Podesta a, does not have a good track record with evaluating not at talent, all. coach, nothing. Nothing, not at all. That guy, This guy is like the kiss of death when it comes to NFL <laughs> talent. So the thing, that, the thing that worries me and that I think a lot of people forget is like, and like Josh has mentioned, he was a candidate last year and we chose Freddie over him. So there was something there. And I know Baker was a Freddie guy and a lot of the players liked Freddie because they were comfortable with him. But there was still something there that, I mean, that you uh, didn't choose Stefanski. Apparently Podesta yeah. wanted, um, wanted Stefanski, but Dorsey wanted Freddie. And so they went with Dorsey because like, they were like, you know, we made this guy in charge for a reason. We're going to roll with we're going to do what he wants. That's why Dorsey's not there anymore, though. He had he had to die by the sword. Right. And and there's other things that kind of came out, because I was a huge John Dorsey fan. I went yeah. out and bought the hoodie or whatnot. I was, yeah. I was a big John Dorsey fan. But then after kind of some things came out, you're like, well, maybe this guy wasn't, I mean, he looked great, turned the team around, but then some of the other things he did, like a hiring of Freddie type and, you know. But, yeah, it just, it, it, Worries me in a sense where we got high expect. I got high expectations that Stefanski's going to come in with the roster we got, and he's going to you know be able to put this together. We're going to be unstoppable offensively. It worries me a little bit that he's never been the guy in charge. We don't know if he's calling mm-hmm. plays yet, or if it's going to be as a fan pelt. And he's still he's saying they're they're really nice. It, like preseason was going to be how they decided that, and now they're still. I just saw something like two days ago where they're like, yeah, we're still not sure. Who's yeah. gonna play? I'm like, make make a yeah. You, you got to make a decision out. now because yeah. that's gonna dictate everything. Because yeah. if you don't, and you say you go with, I think it's Alex Van Pelt. Mm-hmm. I think is our mm-hmm. yeah. If you go with him, and like you make that decision a couple weeks before, that, like, oh yeah, he's gonna call the plays. That you're already like not sure. Like mm-hmm. I feel like you got to make a decision and be like, Let's hey, to it. Yeah. this is what we're doing. Uh, type of a thing because I think that you'll get into that, you know decision-making of, uh, man, well, maybe I should call plays in the fourth quarter because we're down 14, and I don't think we want to go down that road. Mm-hmm. I have a lot to add to that, but I'm going to table it for another time so we can get into our championship here. <laughs> yep. Um, so, this, you know, our championship now is Greg uh, Williams versus Mike Pettin. <laughs> to me, there's a clear winner, and there's a clear big L-squared loser. And to me, the winner is Greg Williams. Well, I think if you go based off the best coaches that we have in the last, you know, these last seven coaches that we had to pick from, I think Greg Williams and his career in Cleveland was the best coach. Thank God, because I was ready to just go in on you. Even though, if you do look up uh, Cleveland Browns history of, of coaches ranked, uh, Mike Pettin's top 10 all time, so... <laughs> Well, you guys want to know, right? Here's a little bit of information I heard the other day about um, Van Pelt, the offensive coordinator. And this is another thing. And all of a sudden, I felt that normal Browns fan in me go like, oh, I'm getting excited for the year. He was the one who coached Aaron Rodgers. Oh, okay. Whenever he, I think, was making that transition into the starter and everything. So with Green Bay. Green Bay, yeah. And they were saying, you know, this guy could have that, you know, hand of influence in Baker Mayfield's development. 
I think we need a better quarterback. Who was our quarterback's coach the last couple of years? That, uh, That's what it was. Van Pelt was the quarterback's coach for Aaron Rodgers. Who was our that, quarterback's coach? That, was it named Ryan Lindley or something like that? Uh, Lins, Lindsley or... Uh, I can't remember what our court. Oh, let me look it up. I got it. He I'll obviously wasn't keeping tabs on Baker last year. <laughs> <laughs> like every time, like every time he'd like be doing something on his computer, he'd turn around. Baker'd like be gone at the Cheesecake Factory. Oh, <laughs> he had to do the Cheesecake Factory. Here again. we go. Oh my gosh. Uh, it was Kevin Zampezi mm-hmm. was in 2018, which uh, the Hard Knocks. I think it was Bob Wiley. Is that was no, that, that was the, the offensive, offensive line coach. coach? I know that's who I'm talking about. Yeah. The big guy, Hut Hut. Yeah. Uh, in the the Hard Knocks, <laughs> you know, fandom that everybody loved watching him on there. He said that in 2000, the year with Greg Williams and Freddie Kitchens, and everybody was like, "Man, we really turned the season around. Offense really started clicking." This that was the guy that did it. That I heard did that. It. He was the guy responsible for like the offense finally turning around and clicking. And then I'm not sure if he was was he there last. Year, I don't know if he was there last year. I don't think year. so. I, I remember him saying that coming out and being like, "Guys, this Freddie guy didn't do nothing." Yeah, so it was it was looking, this other guy. No, he was he was not there. So he had that and was very successful. And then Freddie probably was like, "Hey, I got the job." He that was the guy that was that you know got me this job. I'm getting him out of here because he's going to take mine. Yeah. Uh, so because he ended up going down to he was the offensive coordinator for the Atlanta Legends, <laughs> and he was the quality control analyst for Florida, and he's the quarterback coach for Washington football team now. Oh, okay. So he's back in the NFL. Okay. With Dwayne Haskins, Alex Smith. Yeah, future starter Alex Smith. Uh, I think I think he as long as you know he's got to pass all the physical stuff. You know, mm-hmm. and I don't know what goes into all that because we've seen with a lot of guys like uh, Drew Brees back when he was hurt. Miami, yeah. he didn't pass the test down there. So, you know, and then he he went on the New Orleans and yep. history. Yeah, San Diego just got rid of him. Just yeah, they were like, oh, no, he's never going to play again. Yep. Uh, Indianapolis, Peyton Manning's never going to be the same. Yeah. He was for a couple of years. Yeah. Justin, so, did you take your... Yeah. Did you throw your shot on this championship uh, matchup? Yeah, it's, I think it's pretty easy to... It's Yeah, it's Greg. I mean, like I, had, I said, he's that's the most excited week to week that I've been. Other than going into it last was the year. first time we had a week seventeen game that meant something. Yeah, yes. and I was yeah. so drunk, and we, <laughs> <laughs> I was trashed at this. I was at this yeah. uh, buddy's house. We were like doing euchre and listening to the game, and by like the second quarter, I was hammered. And then, uh, I mean, it made it tougher that you know we went down that road. But and that those teams. That was a great game to watch, and I really did think we were going to end up beating them. But I do want to say with this bracket, so we we all do you agree, Greg? Yeah, I'm with you guys on this. Okay, so we really we just polished a turd. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know, guys. like we were lots of arguing. You would have thought we were arguing about like Hall of Fame coaches. No, none of these guys are going to the Hall of Fame. None of these guys. Well, I mean, a couple of them are still doing some stuff, but yeah. a lot of them are like they they sold me a laptop, you know, a few weeks ago or yeah, know, so, Best Buy. Uh, but yeah, I think Greg Williams, just based on the lack of, you know, anything we had prior to him. Yeah, I think coming into this, coming into this bracket, when we looked at our coaches, I would say that you know he was probably our best one in the last decade. It would have been very interesting to see who we came with if we didn't include him, because you know not yeah. coaching a whole season. Well, it would have been Mike Pettin. <laughs> Top <laughs> 10 all time, Cleveland Browns head coach. Don't worry, Chad was on the list at 11, just to make you feel better. Oh, he was see, two, that even he makes it even below. more. <laughs> hey, where, and where was Pettin? Nine. I know, I know. 
Yeah. This was on Ranker. So it's a closer it's Number a closer one, argument than you like to think. I'm trying to look and see. Bill Belichick was on the list at fifth. Sheesh. All right. Well, hey, that wraps up our uh, you know, our bracket. Um, Greg Williams, congratulations. Call us in for your prize. We don't actually have a prize for Greg Williams. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he'd care. Uh, but Greg, you are the, uh, you know, according to us, the best coach we've had in the last 10 years. And which is crazy because I did not want the Browns to hire him full time after that year. Yeah, I was, I was really back and forth on that one too. And I, I felt, I, I'm not going to say that I wanted Freddie, but I, I just, I did not want Greg. I was like this, I don't know. I just didn't want him to be my head coach, but I, he's the best head coach we've had in the last 10 years. Yeah. Um, that's just because we've had so much crap. Yeah. Uh, agreed. Yeah. So thanks for checking out this episode. Um, you know, let us know what you guys, who you guys think was the best Browns coach in the last 10 years. Uh, please comment. Let Zach know how crazy he is for the, uh, you know, Freddie Kitchens, Mike Patton take. Um, you can let them know on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Uh, the handles are at the top of the screen. Again, please subscribe on YouTube. Um, we really want to get to 100 subscribers, make us feel really good about ourselves. Uh, make sure you guys check us out next week when we uh, break down the NFL 100 list that was uh, voted on by the players. There's some crazy stuff in that. And uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Everybody have a good week. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.